Hello, I'm Michael German, Assistant Editor for Design World Magazine, and welcome to Design World's Technology Tuesdays podcast for February 24th, 2015. Thanks for joining us. Today's topic is How Are Design Engineers Idiot-Proofing Bearing Lubrication? Joining me today is Joe Conyers, a Senior Consulting Engineer for Training and Development at SKF Training Solutions. With more than 26 years of experience, Joe has taught bearing maintenance, installation, technology, and analysis practices throughout North America and the world. In addition to his primary training and development duties, Joe also designs and develops courses for both the classroom and SKF's e-learning program. Thanks for being here today, Joe. Thanks, Michael. Okay, so in your uh, classrooms and all the classes that you've taught, I'm sure bearing lubrication has come up more than once, right? Absolutely. What would you say are the most common mistakes that users tend to make when it comes to bearing lubrication? Well, Mike, that's a great question because uh, we get a lot of questions about lubrication indicating there's a lot of lack of knowledge. So um, one of the primary things is, is the two big questions, you know, how much and how often. And one of the things there is that there are tools available for help us to do this kind of relubrication. But it turns out that over 80% of the bearings, or perhaps more, are actually greased, or greased uh, lubricated and they're sealed for life. So we don't have to touch these things in uh, the great world of bearings. You know, there's over... Uh, bearings are one of the most common mechanical components, it turns out. Uh, the only thing that's more ubiquitous than bearings are nuts and bolts. So they're in uh, over 90% of machines, and there's literally billions of bearings out there in the world. And again, with 90% of them being sealed for life with grease inside them, we don't really have to mess with them. When's the last time you actually you know, crawled into the car to lubricate your uh, uh, wheel bearings or anything like that? We just don't do it anymore. So, um, so the, one of the things that's helped is... Uh, the fact that with the uh, improvements in grease over the years, um, even in my time with the company, I would say grease performance has increased by at least a factor of four. Just as an example, we used to design bearings, and we still do, with a nominal life of, uh, uh, we say an L10 life, we call it, which is a 10% uh, chance of failure or a 90% reliability. When I started with the company, we had an L1 uh, reliability factor we used for grease. In other words, it sort of went overboard uh, with the grease uh, reliability, but today we use the same reliability we'd use for the bearings. We use an L10. So the grease performance has caught up uh, with the bearing performance to match it. We don't have to compromise on greases anymore. So grease development today we're seeing is really extending the boundaries of uh, greasing into more uh, – Difficult applications, really low and high temperature applications, extreme operating condition type applications. So, uh, Joe, what can you tell me about the uh, developments in bearing design that are sort of helping to solve the issues of uh, adequate bearing lubrication? Well, Mike, one of those is uh, system design, and that means we're taking a look at the lubrication on the bearing, not independent of the design, but looking at the uh, bearing as a system. You know, we've got, the, of course, the, the metallic components of the bearing, or now they're uh, sometimes they're non-metallic. We've got ceramics included, but you've got rings and rollers and so on and cages. But we are looking at the lubricant and the seals or shields that go on the outside of a bearing as more like part of a system. So we look at those as any part of those could cause a compromise of the system. So we're looking at everything together now as a whole rather than uh, just looking at the bearing by itself or the grease life uh, by itself, for instance, or the seal for that matter. So that's one of the things is, is uh, looking at the design of the bearing. The second thing is designing the bearing into the total system. For instance, when you look at the hub unit on a car, you don't just look um, at the bearing only by itself. You look at all the, the loads and the operating conditions and so on that the entire system is designed uh, for, and you design that into it. 
So one of the things we do um, with our customers is we have a process called Design for Six Sigma, and we use that design process to work with larger OEMs that have uh, needs for a large number of bearings, and we can statistically predict when uh, the components are going to fail based on expected design criteria. One of the things we found out in the 1980s was the effects of contamination on bearings, so that's quite well known now. And we have numerical models and we have other models we can use to really tell you uh, if you get this much contamination in a bearing, this is your expected reduction in life. So now we have the ability to say to people that are designing machines that, say, are working in diverse environments, let's say it's a, uh, a large uh, mining uh, truck or something like that. Well, some mines are mining stuff that's not that bad for bearings. For instance, there's a borax mine in Southern California. And you can say, well, you can actually extend the life of the bearings in these applications because if you seal them properly and use the proper lubricant, this borax is not that bad for bearings. It sort of crunches down inside the bearings and it flushes out, you could say. Whereas you say, send the same truck up to a taconite mine up in Minnesota. Taconite's really nasty, iron ore, it's very hard particles, and they get into bearing places. You may not be able to offer the same warranty in that situation. So either you derate the warranty in these situations, or you might have to provide an ability to say, hey, let's find a way to resupply lubricant, purge, or clean the lubricant in these situations to extend the bearing life back to the normal warranty scenario. So now we're getting very specific in our ability to um, use these theories and also provide uh, you know, a real economic uh, calculation, let's say, for where do you want to spend your money when it comes to uh, sealing, lubrication, and the design of the entire system. Okay. Um, and obviously, bearings are only part of the, uh, the issue here. You know, if you want to make sure that you're properly lubricating a bearing, not only do you have to make sure that the bearing itself is well designed, but you also have to make sure that you're using the right lubricant and that you're not mixing wrong lubricants and you know, that sort of thing. So uh, what can you tell me about the changes or developments in uh, lubrication design that are coming up, uh, that you know, engineers are coming up with to kind of help resolve some of these uh, bearing issues? That's a good question. Now, that, as you uh, were saying, uh, there are a lot of uh, design things we can do uh, during the uh, design of the equipment to start with. Um, so what you have here is uh, basic choices, um, and grease is simpler, it's easier. Um, in most cases, it stays where it's put and so on, so it has advantages in that respect. So unless you're going to complicate the situation or you have, again, more extreme operating conditions, you'd like to stay with grease if you could. So if you're going to do this with grease lubrication, um, then you need to find a way to uh, either seal this thing for life, or if you can't because the grease relube interval uh, needs to be greater, then you need to provide a delivery mechanism for the grease and a way to get old the grease out of the system. So those are some of the considerations you look at when you're supplying grease. Um, in most cases, seal for life would be optimal. Um, if you can't, then again, you've got to provide a way to get the grease in there. One of our nominal numbers is if you have a grease relube interval that's over six months, for instance, we would prefer that you pop covers and get dead grease out of there, let's say, and repack with fresh grease. turns out that most people don't even realize that grease is really 90% oil. It's only about 10% of the um, soap or, as uh, many people call it, the fill or the, uh, the, the thickener, as it were. So uh, the grease is, generally speaking, oil, and the thickener goes along to hold it in place and act as a dispenser. So part of that is understanding these basic fundamentals about how grease operates and how to um, get away from doing several things in the field that happen. People over-lubricate uh, because they're not sure 
that their machines are properly lubricated, and if they're uh, not, if they can't tell, then they tend to over lubricate. And the grease gun is your worst enemy in the field because it can produce um, from 10,000 to 12,000 pi psi plus in some cases. So a seal has no defense against that kind of pressure, whether it's on the outside or from the inside of the bearing. You're going to compromise that thing. Uh, I work with a lot of motor shops, and they find bearing uh, motors coming in with three or four different types of greases overlaid on top of one another because people are again they're just not sure, and so they over lubricate. They're thinking to be sure. So the first thing is to uh, get machines on schedules, and if original equipment designers could um, use tools to print out lubrication schedules and put them on the sides of machines or in perhaps operating instructions, that would save a lot of heartache out in the field. so a couple other things you could think about would be, you know, human factors design. For instance, if you have a machine that needs a specialty grease, well, why not put some different kind of fitting on, prevent the average uh, mechanic from going up and using a standard grease fitting, uh, which we call a Zerk type fitting, and change it to say a button head. So that would be human factors design. Even if the guy is uh, off his game that day, he can't go up and put the wrong grease into the right machine, or vice versa. Okay. All right. Well, I think that is about all we have time for. So I'd like to thank you uh, again for joining us today, Joe. Thanks, Michael. It's been a pleasure and uh, look forward to coming back in the future. All right. Uh, And thank you again for listening. You can subscribe to Design World's Technology Tuesday's podcast or just check out some of our other episodes at soundcloud.com slash designworld. And remember, you can always get the latest need-to-know engineering information at www.designworldonline.com. Hope to see you next time.